Army homies, today's House of Carbs brought to us by our friends at Paradise Coast, Florida. Get a taste of paradise when you visit Naples, Florida, Marco Island, Florida, the Everglades on Florida's Paradise Coast, known for white sand beaches, luxurious hotels, and the world-famous Everglades National Park. Florida's Paradise Coast is also one of the top dining destinations in these United States. Discover for yourself the citrus-spiked dishes, artisan cocktails, craft breweries, traditional Southern comfort foods, and more that make Florida's Paradise Coast a must-travel location for any serious food person. Learn more at dineinparadise.com. That's all one word, dineinparadise.com. Taste Buds Today's show also brought to us by our great pals at Vital Farms. Cage-free eggs. Sure, that sounds nice, but did you know that a cage-free hen typically only gets about one square foot per hen? At Vital Farms, the hens are all pasture-raised, and they're raised in 108 square feet per hen. They have outdoor access year-round. Vital Farms, pasture-raised, bullshit-free. Visit vitalfarms.com slash coupon for $2 off a dozen pasture-raised eggs, and look for them in the black carton at the grocery store, vitalfarms.com slash coupon. My culinary comrades, my hungry homies, the Victual Varsity. We have done it. We're back. It's another beautiful, delicious, and exciting edition of House of Carbs, the food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your hungry host, Joe House. My taste buds, we are incredibly lucky this week. Our guest today happened to be in town to promote her latest cookbook. She is an extraordinary cook, an extraordinary author, and a worldwide media food phenomena. Allison Roman was in Washington, D.C. this week to promote her book, Nothing Fancy. So I got to sit across from her. We had a great conversation, and I even got out of her some of the things on her menu for her upcoming iconic Christmas Eve dinner, my hungry homies. Let's just get right into that belly with Allison Roman. All right, my taste buds. Today's guest really needs no introduction. She is a cook, a writer, an author of a best-selling cookbook, Dining In, from a couple of years ago. She's a bi-weekly columnist for the New York Times cooking section, a monthly contributor to Bon Appetit, the creator and disseminator of recipes that have taken over the goddamn internet, hashtag the cookies, hashtag the stew. And she's got a brand new cookbook out right now, just in time for the holidays. Nothing fancy is the book. The guest is Allison Roman. Welcome to House of Carbs. She's laughing. Wow. I didn't know if I was supposed to be quiet during that or if I could. Oh, you could participate. Okay. This is a highly interactive uh, podcast. Let the participation begin. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited because we're sitting across from each other. Yeah. You are in Washington, D.C. We're hanging out. We are hanging out. This is the very end, the last stop on your 13-city world tour. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I saved the best for last. Thank you for- Had to end it here. <laughs> very nice way to say in it. In this room with you. Yeah, right. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, you, you'll be ready for vacation <laughs> after this, I yes, promise. that is correct. 13 cities in 45 days, roughly, right? Yeah, approximately. And, and uh, you were mostly here domestic, but you made it over to London as well? London and Canada. Don't forget our neighbors to the north. Oh, Canada. How dare <laughs> I? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. So so this is truly an international tour. 
Every single stop sold out yes. um, well in advance. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough. You helped me come to the event here in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday. A huge packed audience. It was a rainy Tuesday night, yeah. like not a night to be out in, yeah. out and about in Washington. It was the biggest event I've ever done. Oh, oh. Yeah, by far. Oh, you should. If you shouldn't have told me that, you oh. should have told me every one of these oh, is yeah, like no. this. So this was a small one. So all the events were just as large. Yeah, they're <laughs> you all could have said massive. This was a small one, and I have to tell you, uh, I feel I'm slightly intimidated in this way. Okay. I feel like I owe a responsibility to your group, to your avid fans, <laughs> to not be an idiot, which is not that easy. No. For me, because I I was blown away by. The energy by the enthusiasm. I mean, I don't, this is not uh, a backhanded Shocking, compliment. I know. This should not, <laughs> I, this is sounding like a backhanded compliment. No, no, no. And I don't intend it to be that way. But like, what a great audience. Yeah, they were super, super engaged. And what I'm um, getting at is they were, it felt to me like a room that was ready to burst. Like they, they <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. And I have, I, I, want, I want to explore something with you. Okay. Have you ever considered entrance music. You know, people have asked me at every stop, if you were going to be introduced yeah. by a song, what would it be? Yes. And I feel like it changes so much from from event to event and sure. city to city. Yes. Um, but that's great, though. You can do it. That's the beauty of, so of cringy, this modern though. age. It is so cringy. No, it could be funny. It could be clever. It could be hype. It could be a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It, it could be cringy. It just makes me feel like I'm running for office. I mean, if like you played Sarah McLachlan, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't want to characterize any any artists as as It like, would just be Paula Cole weird. every time. So that's great. Yeah. That's you. Yeah. That's your jam. That's me. Right. <laughs> like if it was me, I'd be doing very shocking. How did you know that I like Sarah McLachlan, by the way? I, I'm a little young for that, but I do. I, is I, it is is that my vibe? You know, no, no. Because okay, I'll take, I mean, I take it. I do like her. I will say, uh, again, the um, impact of physically attending the um, convening on Tuesday night <laughs> just built a whole kind of, it was an introduction to your world. And, and so it felt like, you know. So, right, because we've never met before. Do you think that you got it before I even spoke that you had a sense of who I was by who was there? Um, no. Oh, okay. No, it took me, I had to sit through the experience of it. You had to sit through that whole damn talk. <laughs> it was a good talk. It was, it was only an hour. It yeah. wasn't that long. It no. wasn't like it was uh, laborious. No. I did Thank not you. stay for the book signing. That's fine. It was I too wanted long. to come say hi. It looked, I had to go through six they layers had me on, of security. Like, the stage. It I was saw. like, I was inaccessible. I agree. Yeah. But this, these are your people. You're, you're <laughs> avid, rabid fans. Yeah, they waited. They came out. I they mean, did. they showed up in force. Yeah. I'm interested. Let's obviously we're going to talk about the book a little bit, but I want to talk about just life on tour. I mean, we're talking about entrance music. Have you yeah. done anything like this? I did. This sort of. I did a book tour for Dining In. Yeah. Um, it was probably about half the size, and I decided that for this book tour, I was going to do it bigger. I was going to do it more, but I was kind of thinking that it was going to be the same as Dining In, like the same style. I knew what to expect, and this was so radically different that I feel like my body has been through a car wash. Like, like I just, it is, was so wild. Yeah. I was not prepared emotionally or physically for this. Yeah. Okay. So. Which is great. I, I don't want that to sound like a complaint. No, I know. I want to ask why. Like what, what was different? Just, the, I think the scale of the events. I also didn't leave a ton of breathing room. I did the whole thing myself in terms of booking oh. and deciding dates and where it was going to oh, go. And okay. so I was like, oh, well, of course I can do an event Chicago night you know, Saturday, take the first morning flight out to Minneapolis, do an event Sunday, Monday, and then fly to Portland Tuesday, do an event that night in Portland, and then drive up to Seattle on third. Like I, I left zero breathing room because I was like, oh, of course I'm young and I have tons of stamina. I well, can just uh, that, keep going forever. That's clearly true. You did it. And yeah. And I feel like with dining in, it was a lot of like, hi, I'm Allison here's my book. Nice to meet you. Here's what it's about. And I was doing a lot of selling and pitching, which is a much different experience than me hearing people's experience about the recipes they've cooked or these books and stories. And it's like a lot of absorbing. Yes, 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 and yes. And it was just a much different experience. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I'm impressed that you didn't get sick or did you get sick? No, I didn't. Can you fucking believe it? So let's talk about this. <laughs> I take vitamins. Yeah. Thanks sure. for noticing. Me too. Um, and I think that I've I've 
tuned into my body enough to know that if I feel like something's going wrong, yes. I absolutely annihilate myself with like oil of oregano and emergency and other vitamins. And I'm like, not today. Right. Not today, Cole. Yeah. Not yeah. today. I'll do like a steam or yeah. something. Yeah, like yeah. Something steam. therapeutic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've like dialed it in, but it's crazy that I didn't get sick. I'm knocking on wood. I know. If I get because, sick before New Year's. No. I don't, I don't blame me. Well, you brought it up. But here, <laughs> there is that phenomenon once the big thing is done where you're, you're running on stage. Yeah, my on, dad on actually was adrenaline. like, I'm worried you're going to get sick because now you're not doing the things oh, to shit. keep so you I'm, alive. I, I'm coming from the same place as your dad Yeah, now. you're, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. I, feel, I feel your dad on this. I'm yeah. with him. I'm with him. He's going to love listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the other sort of aspect of the tour that I'm curious about, especially now in view of hearing how hands-on you were in, in um, developing this, how did you handle, how did you handle eating? Not well. I'm not that great at taking care of myself, generally speaking, and meals are the thing that I've, like, I forget to do until oh, it's too late. Okay. And I'm also the kind of person that refuses to eat on an airplane or at an airport. I'm I won't do it. I had this is you and I look yeah, I'm I'm doing I the gesture where I will not do it, which yeah. means there could be like hours that go by where I'm like past the danger zone where I should have eaten, I'm being a total asshole and I don't because I'm like I'm not going to waste that opportunity to eat something delicious on something awful. You and I this is exactly I had an episode um at the, you know, maybe in like the first six or eight months of the show about like best airport food. No, it doesn't and exist. I, I had to confess to, to the guests that I had on, I don't eat at airports no. and I don't eat at airplanes because it's almost always the case when I'm getting on an airplane, I'm going to somewhere and I want to go eat at that place. Yes, exactly. I want to explore whatever the food thing is in that place. Yes, I'm not waiting, unless it's like a massive layover and you sort of don't have a choice and then you like cruise the Delta Sky Lounge or something. Right, right, right. But I feel like, you know, the go-tos are the safe things like a banana. Yeah, sure. You're like, I got to stay alive. Yeah. And banana is really good but, for you. You know, yeah. like a hard-boiled egg in a package with like a ah. – no, that is just like – I'm wondering who's going to disrupt airport food. Well, it's I, it's kind of happening. Where I was surprised. So in Chicago, um, oh, I will get a Chicago dog in a Chicago airport. Okay, well, and they, I did for yeah, breakfast at like yeah. nine fifteen a.m. Great, and it was delicious. Yes, I absolutely fuck with a hot dog for breakfast, <laughs> and Chicago was the place to do it, and I trusted it. Yeah, and for some reason, it didn't seem like a gamble. Right, I was like. This is the thing. Yeah. So well, I did and it. and you know, folks are putting like there's Shake Shacks out of JFK. So you can, yes. you know, that's like, like a familiar thing. Right. But I've noticed that pre-flight Shake Shack is always never a good idea. <laughs> Especially if <laughs> you're disagree. like going to LA. Right. You're like, I'm going to be on that plane for five and a half hours. Yeah. Do I want to sit there with that in my body? The yeah, answer is no. It's a tough one. Because like eating that and then getting in a compressed tube yeah, with recycled air, like, tough one. That's a tough I one. I want my body to be absolutely empty before I got in an airplane. That, so this is interesting. And, 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 um, uh, in terms of like forgetting to eat. So I like to, when I have stuff where I have, where I'm accountable, mm -hmm. like podcasting yeah. or, you know, whatever business stuff or even some sports stuff, I don't like to eat before. I like to yeah. eat after. Me too. And that has the effect of sometimes I go long stretches without eating. Right. It's um, not like forgetting. Is that what happens to you? Yeah. And it's not like, oh, I forgot to eat because it's not important to me. It's that I'm packing my day with like interviews or podcasts or et cetera. And, you know, I have dinner plans or something and I didn't budget the time. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I don't build it into my day of like, oh, from I should block out any amount of time to make sure that I have the energy and time to find a place that I actually want to eat. Did you have any um, time while you're on the road where you were doing cooking? Yeah, a lot actually. So very few of my events were strictly talking. Oh, okay. Which are almost always the easiest and most enjoyable events because <laughs> I just get to talk. Yeah. And then I sign books and then I go home. But the events, there were a few that I actually cook at and then a few events where chefs at restaurants cook from the book. Yes. And then I kind of play maitre d' or oh. host and I go around to each table. Oh, wow. How's it going? Can I sign your book? How is everything? Um, that sounds fun. It is fun. But as a control freak person, that's actually quite challenging for <laughs> oh, me. Oh, Okay. Because while I do like to talk, I'll talk all day. Yes. I really love cooking. Like, mm -hmm. that's what I do. Uh, yeah. And I think part of why I got into cooking, and I think this is probably the case for a lot of people who cook professionally, is that the social anxiety of, of outward 
like, you know, external Emoting. conversation yeah. can just be really taxing. So you're like, I'm going to go in the kitchen. And like, even when I have people over now, ah. I spend most of my time in the kitchen alone or with like one person who's going to help. And then everyone else is in my living room. Okay. So we have a whole thing that we're going to talk about yeah. in connection with uh, nothing fancy. Right. And I know what you just described is kind of an element of it. Yes. Um, let's go ahead. I, I don't want to. Con- conquer all of nothing fancy right now because I have a whole you bunch of other possibly. stuff. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, a it's great, an insurmountable task. It is a great, great point. Um, but like the timing of you being here right this moment, plus the season that we are in, this is my personal favorite eating season because of the, the um, heightened social element to a lot of the meals that we have now and the celebratory kind of nature of a lot of the meals that we have now. And um, there's kind of a permissiveness to mm-hmm. to the way we eat. Bacchanalian, it yes. feels yes, yes, because yes. we have we were, we're our instinct is to do some celebrating. And there's a lot of like once a year kind of meals, kind of foods mm-hmm. that, that come up. Your now. annual X yes. with these two people. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. So not nothing fancy is like right in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. like a perfect. Zeitgeisty. You, you said you it. There we go. <laughs> See, I was going to use it and then I'm like, eh, I don't want to be that guy. No, I know. <laughs> I, I hate being that proud. That was a joke. <laughs> it was great. Let's take a quick break from this delicious chat with Allison. Culinary comrades, not that you needed an excuse to visit Vegas, but Aria Resort and Casino has everything from corner views in every room and award-winning dining to poolside pampering and five-star spa treatments. Aria embodies distinction from technology-advanced rooms to signature moments in the Aria Sky Suites and Aria Tower Suites, the Forbes Travel Guide, five-star rated. Aria Sky Suites are an unrivaled hotel experience, offering a level of service and personalization unlike anything in Las Vegas. Of course, the city's entertainment is not limited to just the stages and the casinos and the pools. Aria is bringing the show to your dining table. Listen to this collection of chefs, restaurants, restaurateurs, and unique eating concepts. You can visit the Jean-Georges Steakhouse for specialty items like certified Kobe A5 and tableside smoked Wagyu brisket or take in the sights at the Bardo Brasserie, including, this is right on time for this season, my hungry homies, Beef Wellington. Yes, daddy. Carbone Captains will guide you through dinner. There are Italian-American masterpieces like the Dover Piccata. And at Julian Serrano Tapas, you can share authentic plates amongst friends, including the Pata Negra. The newest edition, Catch, brings epic renditions of Asian-influenced sushi, seafood, and steak. All the excitement is located at the center of the Las Vegas Strip, only at Aria Resort and Casino. Visit aria.com to see how they Vegas. Do you agree that the book that everybody should go right, rush right out, write the second and buy the book and and get prepared for, you know, because, you know, in my experience, um, the holidays go through Christmas, New Year's and into January, February. Now people are doing post holiday, like con, like getting people together mid January, early February. To, to just give us a reason to live. Yes, like. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's a thing in, in my life. I don't know. Okay. Maybe that's just, that's because I'm middle-aged. So. Well, no, I think that be- as like our calendars fill up, you like – like right now I'm, I'm basically booked until January. Yes. Don't talk to me until January. Right. And if anyone wants to get together for a holiday thing, you then do it in January. You do it like the second week after, you know, your serotonin levels restore to the brain and you're like, okay, what next? Um, As like a makeup holiday. Yeah, right. So I get that. Yeah, that's. But that's, I also think it's in our nature, especially in a in a place where it's cold, mm-hmm. weather is shitty. You don't want to go outside. You know, kind of hunkering down and using that weather as an excuse to have people over is an extension of that. Right, right. So, is there in nothing fancy? 
do you do any contemplation around the right time for convening or is it? No, absolutely not. It's it's hyper unseasonal, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's every season represented in that there's things that are for grilling and like light salads and blah, blah, blah. And then there's braises and stews and baked pastas. And there's kind of something for me for everyone. So when people say, what's your favorite recipe in the book? Which is A, my least favorite question. B, there's actually not an answer. I do ask them, well, I need more guidelines than that. I need you to say, what's your favorite recipe for me and seven friends? We rented an Airbnb with a pool. It's June. We're eating outside. There's no kids. I'm like, great. This is what you're gonna make. Like, yeah. I need like paint the picture. Yeah. You know? Well, let's let's paint the picture then, okay. because it's today is December the 12th or so. You have a reputation for participating in helping conduct, uh, maybe control freak running or co-running an iconic Christmas Eve party. Oh my god, I do. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So um, <laughs> we're so excited about it. By the way, it's all I can think about right now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. why this time it's of year is so exciting. great. Yes. So let's talk about sort of the principles of nothing fancy as they sort of work inside of your Christmas iconic Christmas Eve. Well, party. so I co-host it with my friend Anoop, and he is the type of cook that really loves to like he owns a Sears all. You know, like he's gonna be that guy. He like <laughs> definitely has a sous vide machine. He definitely does stuff like yeah. that, that I'm just like, I, I couldn't want to do it less. It's so not for me. It is it stands against everything I believe in. And so what we do is I think that I serve as, and, but he hosts, so it's at his house. Ah, uh, okay. So I, he does have like a certain level of control and input that I don't have. Yes. He also defers to me, but I am constantly bringing him back from the brink. Yes. Literally just 20 minutes ago on my way over here, he texted me, should we lose something and do stone crab claws instead? <laughs> And then the next text is, how much are stone crab claws? And I said- They're crazy expensive, by the way. no. A, it's a mess. Most people don't know how to eat them. They're going to be like, how do you eat them? And you're going to find like crab meat lodged in a a shell that someone didn't eat all the way. And you're going to be like, that was $35 a pound. Mm. Um, and, And I was like, you know what? No. So I feel like bringing him back from the brink is sort of my job. And I feel like I do that in the book. Yes. We're like- it's okay to do less. Yes. And if you feel like that you're constantly trying to add things, we had like, I was going to make flaky breads, like those hand rolled little, you know, pull apart breads oh. for our lamb that we're having. Oh. And I was, and then I was like, you know what? I'm ditching the flaky breads. Okay. Looking at the menu, looking at everything else going on, I was like, that's going to be too much. It's not worth the effort for this meal. We're cutting it. Right. And feeling very secure in that decision. Yeah. Without feeling guilty or bad or like I'm I'm not doing a good enough job. Because it's it's literally nothing fancy. Yeah, it's right? nothing fancy. What what is um so what are you what are you doing with the lamb? We're gonna rub it with anchovies. Because oh. we're doing a feast of the seven fishes, minus one fish plus lamb. <laughs> feast so of the seven <laughs> fishes, minus one fish plus the lamb. Yeah. Why can't you do seven fishes plus a lamb? Listen, because that's what we're doing because we're not – because we were going to – yes, that's – yes. And right, some right. of the – actually, it is seven fishes because somebody made Gravlox. Oh, that counts. As a late-breaking For sure. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. All right. So a feast of the seven fishes plus a lamb. But Anoop wanted to substitute out one of the already agreed upon previous six fishes. Yeah, which he was going to probably kill the shrimp cocktail, which no, is non-negotiable. No, 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 no. Non-negotiable. No, no, no. No. This is such I, a great time of year for yeah, shrimp cocktail. I know. It's. I mean, every time of year. Every time of year is great for I've shrimp cocktail. I've had it three times this week, and I like posted a picture on my Instagram, and somebody that I don't know commented, that's so cool that how much you eat shrimp every week. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's a lifestyle choice. And it is cool. And Boom. thank you. You know what I had for dinner last night? Shrimp, Shrimp cocktail and a martini. Yeah, I did too. That's how I started. Then things went haywire from I went. There. I went to Diplomat. Oh, Diplomat. Le Diplomat. Yeah. Terrific. And got the Petit Plateau. Oh, Dirty you're martini. doing it right, girl. Dirty martini on the rocks. Boom. And then had a second dinner. Of course. Of course you did. I'm so excited. I, I didn't even think to ask you. Your, your, I won't reveal where you're staying unless you want to talk about it. But um, well, the meals you eat in DC. By the time this DC, comes out, I will no longer be staying there. <laughs> that's a great point. That's a great, great point. <laughs> if this were live, I'd be like, maybe not. Yeah, right, yeah, right. I'm staying so at the line. You're staying at the line it's hotel. Great. I love it. There. Yeah, new hotel in Adams Morgan um, that has three kind of restaurant concepts in, inside of it. Yeah. Um, have you been doing any eating over there? No, I haven't. I've been. You haven't had a chance. Yeah, I yeah. haven't had a chance. Yeah. There's very, ra- very rarely am I in a city that I get to explore in the way that I want to. Last night was sort of like a free evening. Yes. Um, where I had no obligations. I did like a very touristy day. It was Great. awesome. Great. Yeah. Um, Can I make another recommendation? Please. Build I'm that all- into your schedule. 
I mean, I know that it takes oh, a, I will. A, a 13 city, 45 day thing yes. and it makes it into like, you know, well, that was sort of 60 the thing. days or I something. I was like, but... I'm not going to go home between stops. Yeah. So I was on the road for six weeks straight. Oof. And then just caught home last week and then came here. Yeah. But it was nice because I, I took the train. It was fun. Right, right. But yeah, I won't ever do that again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you can let somebody else participate in like this. Oh, yeah. yeah the stuff. I, you I don't think have to that do it. Next time around, you're, there are a lot of things to be done. Goddamn media superstar, oh, Alice thank you. Roman. Thank what, you. The, what are we talking about? Overnight here? success. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that I have to learn to let go of a lot. Yeah. And relinquish control of a lot of things in order to make my life easier and make me better at my job. And that is something that I've learned a lot this year. And, you know, you do a great job of imparting that that ethos in Nothing Fancy. Like, Well, I think I said that to tell myself. Okay. A lot of what I say, to, a lot of the advice I give yes. is me just hoping that I start to take it. <laughs> take your own advice. Yeah. This, this, this great. Like, you- ask for help and don't apologize and relax are all things that I need to be better at. Because you're really creating a very safe space yeah. in in the kitchen and in your home, and it's that that's to me like the the biggest part of the appeal to um to the to the recipes and the, and the way that you approach it and kind of what you're um, expressing to folks and it and it feels like you know yeah everybody can do this we can all do this yeah even if, if you think you can't even you, can't. you even you, yeah you should do this to and yourself. there's a lot of that advice stuff that I. And how I wrote the book was I literally just lived that life for a few years because I was naturally doing it. And then when it came time, what is my second book going to be about? I was like, I'm just going to write what I know. That's Mm -hmm. the only time I'm a good writer is when I write exactly what I know and opinions on that. Yes. Um, And so that kind of is how it came together. And every time I would have people over, I would make little notes to myself of like things that I was doing, tips that I was doing that I didn't even realize were a tip, you know, like using – different serving vessels because I didn't have the right size platter. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, oh, that might be helpful for some people. Right. Yeah. Just allow being not like, all that's of us are going to have the right size platter. Right. We should have permission to, to mix and match. Yeah. And people reach out a lot with questions like, I don't have this. What should I use instead? And just kind of ingraining in people that you can be flexible with not only the ingredients, but like the tools that you have and the serving plates that you have. So I, I you just kind of um, raised one aspect of, of this conversation. I want to make sure we cover, which is this idea of people reaching out to you. Yeah. Are you um, <laughs> participating in like social media conversation? Like how, how does that happen in your life? It, I do, but mm-hmm. it's it's reached a level that is challenging for me to stay on top of. Right. Like, I can't respond to everybody. Right. Um, I do occasionally these, like, Q&As for – especially for holidays. Yes. Where I'll be like, I'm here for the next 45 minutes. Yeah. Ask me your questions and I'll answer them. Um, you do that on, on the gram? Is that yeah, on the IG? on the gram. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love doing that. Yeah. I absolutely the love AM it. The ask me it. anything. Yeah, I did it this just... year for Thanksgiving. I was in – Toronto. Oh. No, I was in Montreal. Ooh. I was in Montreal okay. for Thanksgiving yeah. by design because I had made Thanksgiving so many times for work this oh, year. Oh, right. But I was like, but also that just shows you I'm an insane workaholic. I was like, oh, well, you know, I have to stop touring in the U.S. by this date because of the holidays. But if I go overseas, then I can just keep touring for another two weeks. <laughs> like, what a crazy person. Um, so that's what I did. But anyway, I had gone out the night before with some friends in town and woke up with top Two worst hangovers. Congratulations. Of the 2010s. Very well done. Yeah. I wanted to die. And I remembered <laughs> that. I, and I was like, well, thank God all I have to do is lay in bed for the rest of the day. And I was like, oh, I did promise yesterday that I would do a Q&A. Because I did it last year and it was so fun. And I did it the year before. Yeah. And so I did it like hungover from a bed. Great. <laughs> like, Nobody knows. I, I definitely threw up after. Fine. Fine. <laughs> Which makes me sound like I have a drinking problem. I don't. I was just poisoned. Well, and you were... Like living that road lifestyle. I was jet lagged. I had arrived from London, went straight to dinner, drank forty eight bottles of wine, and then I mean, woke it, up. If there's not at least one throw up, I, I mean, it'd be yeah. disappointing. I'm honestly hoping. Yeah, I'm not. You don't have to go through the details. No, no, no. I won't. There was nothing even live, that came out. The, the, the life on the road. You yeah, gotta, I did. I'm working on like a book tour by the numbers type of thing. Ooh, I like this. And it is. There's just yeah. There's been a lot of adventure. <laughs> a lot of missed flights. Won't throw up. Okay. All right. But that's how else are you going to learn? Yeah. Like I said, 2019 was a huge learning experience for me. There's a lot of things that I did 
gratefully and then decide at the end of it, I will never do that again. Okay. Or I will never do that alone or right. I will never be in charge of that or that's not something I want to spend my time in. Doing. Yeah. I, I'll confess to you um, based on what I took in from the experience of the um, book presentation Tuesday night, I halfway thought that you were going to arrive with the team. Yeah. I thought there would be people, you know, sort of helping you with your calendar Ensuring I hired an assistant this year. Yeah. Um, she is very helpful with my calendar. Sure. And so she does, she took on, I hired, she started like a month before I went on book tour. Mm. She got really thrown into shit. It was crazy. <laughs> She's done an amazing job. I'm obsessed with her. Um, and that has been like exponentially helpful. But she, I didn't, I brought her to LA, but she wasn't traveling with me. I get it. Okay. Well, that could be the next time. Yeah. I, I want to like, I think that when people claim that they're not getting any help and they're, you're like, oh, actually you have five assistants, you're getting help. So I do have an assistant who helps with scheduling now. That's good. Yeah. Congrats. Thank that's, you. that's moving up. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the social stuff because oh, right, right. Yes. I do, I do uh, want to torture you a, a bit. I know that this is, you've done it so many times and explained it to so many people. Um, but new audience, new audience. Yeah, this is, potentially. I think your audience and my audience, the the center of that Venn diagram. I'm not sure how large it is. I'm not going to lie. So, well, maybe we'll find out. It'll yeah, be exciting. We it's will great. Find out. Um, broadening horizons for both of us, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right, my famished friends. Another quick break from this outstanding conversation with Allison. Roman House of Carbs is presented to you today by Universal Orlando Resort. At Universal Orlando Resort, you will find more than just world-class thrill rides and roller coasters. You can experience their jaw-dropping, mouth-watering, swipe-worthy foods with their unforgettable dining experiences. Whether you crave something like a marshmallow crisp milkshake from the toothsome chocolate emporium or something savory like the beer glazed scallops at universal's newest restaurant big fire american kitchen there is a dish that's perfect for every member of your party coming back in february for its 25th year universal mardi gras which is florida's biggest party enjoy authentic cajun food when Universal transforms Universal Studios' streets of New York into the French Quarter and lets the good times roll. Check out Universal Orlando's complete food guides on their blog, and you can visit www.universalorlando.com to start planning your Florida Universal vacation today. Taste Buds quick word also from our friends at Oris Watches. For over 115 years, Oris has been making purely mechanical watches in Holstein, Switzerland. They stay true to a rich heritage. 115 years. Oris is one of the few Swiss watch companies to remain independently owned and operated. Because of this independence, Oris has the freedom to follow its own path. So they're focused on bringing change for the better, which means making choices that are ecologically, socially, and financially responsible. That includes ocean conservation and recycled plastic partnerships. Of course, that's alongside their century-long commitment to making inventive, high-functioning, Swiss-made watches that serve a real purpose and at prices that make sense. The best possible watch for the money. Oris has four themes out there, diving, aviation, motorsports, and culture. Oris watches are made for everyday wear. You can shop the many unique styles at oris.ch slash carbs. You're sure to find one that fits your style, suits your taste. It's affordable. It's Christmas time. Check out these beautiful watches made by an independent watchmaker in Switzerland. O-R-I-S dot C-H not dot com friends, not dot com O-R-I-S dot C-H slash carbs The cookies and the stew. The cookies preceded the stew. Can we just talk about what happened? Like how did it happen? So I published a recipe in 2017 called Salted Butter Chocolate Chunk Shortbread Cookies. Yes. Subtitle, or why would I ever make another chocolate chip cookie ever again? Yes. And this was in the Times. 
It was in my cookbook, Dining In. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, apology accepted. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was then picked up by the New York Times and Bon Appetit. They both ran it on their website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The reason they both picked it up was because they noticed that it was becoming popular. I think Bon Appetit did it first and then the New York Times or I forget. It doesn't matter. When you say becoming popular, what, what does that mean? Basically, at the time, this was in the dark ages of Instagram two years ago, where <laughs> in order to repost somebody else's story, I had to screenshot it uh, and then post it. Yes. So there wasn't the option to like add a story right. or whatever, um, which is a small and insignificant change to most people. But the way that they have it now kind of fucked me. Yeah. But Anyway, I I enjoyed being able to screenshot, save photos, and make stories because my weird Virgo editorial brain like had to like organize things in a way that felt, you know. Yeah, cohesive. Yes, yes. I was like obsessed with that. So I started making these stories of all of the dishes people were cooking from my cookbook. All um, right. As a way of saying thank you and how excited I was that people were cooking from it. And I hadn't seen that before. That was like a thing that I just was like, oh, that seems like a nice thing to do. Yes. So I started doing that, and then I noticed that far and away, more people were making these cookies than anything else in the book. All right. So then I would just start to do stories that were just the cookies. Uh-huh. And then people were like, whoa, a lot of people are making these. I was like, I know. It's kind of crazy. And then from then, like once they got published on the internet, meaning you didn't have to buy into the book to get this recipe, it became even more popular. Mm-hmm. And then like Smitten Kitchen, which is a popular blog, she wrote about it. And like it just kind of fed on itself, fed on itself, and I kept promoting it, yes. and like everyone was fanning the flames, and it just like was this weird phenomenon that I think because it hadn't happened before, people took notice. Yeah, I mean, it was like one of the first viral, yeah, food items. Yeah, people you know? were like writing articles about it without asking my input. They were like teaching classes on it, like how to make a viral recipe. And I was like, oh, no. I don't know. How do you make a viral recipe? Like <laughs> that was not my intention. Yeah. No, you you made delicious cookies is what you did. Yeah. I was like, it's a cookie. It took some pretty good pictures then, of them. Yeah. And then of course there was like the backlash and people were like, the cookies, are they even that good? And it's like, come the fuck on. You, you know what that's about. Though. Exactly. Of course I know what that's about. And so then – in 2018, I published a recipe called Spiced Chickpea Stew with Coconut and Turmeric F- or F- Turmeric and Greens or whatever. Yeah. And it's like a pretty basic like pantry staple stew made with chickpeas, garlic, onions, dried turmeric, chili flake, coconut milk, and greens. Mm. It's very, you know, it's like Indian-ish. It's yeah. like Jamaican-ish. It's reminiscent of like a bunch of things that you've had, but it's like not heavily spiced. It's yeah. Just kind of a comforting bowl of creamy chickpeas. Right. With a ton of greens. Um, And anyway, people like really started making it. And so I noticed the same thing that was happening, that happened with the cookies was happening with the stew. Mm. And then the same way somebody else, I didn't name them the cookies. Somebody else did. You can't name your own dish the something. People are trying to do that and it does not work that way. No, no, no. That means that, that they don't get it. They don't get it. Yeah. And so people were like, oh my God, it's the stew. And I was like, that's very funny to me. And so I just kept like, you know, fanning those flames. And then that, I think, recipe became even more popular than the cookies. And then there was backlash to that of like, are you appropriating cultures? Are you, is this a curry? Is this not a curry? Where, you know, this, that, and the other. And it spurred a lot of conversations that Mm -hmm. I think are important to have around food and appropriation and the way that we talk about it. Um, But again, it was not my intention to have this recipe be the center of that conversation. Right, right. You just made a stew that you thought was, was like, could come out uh, yeah, of the pantry exactly. and be delicious. I was, I, want, I was like, I want a, a fall dish that's vegetarian that's made with pantry staples. Yeah. If, if I want to do kind of a very quick food nerd thing because um, I want to keep talking about um, kind of the phenomenon of this stuff. But um, for each of those recipes, is there one thing about them that you think resonates? Is the thing that that is like the the accelerant um, as to why it is that that people have latched on? I have a theory about the cookies. Yeah, I think that they. Yeah, and and I think the cookies are familiar but different. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I understand what a chocolate chip cookie is. This is that, but different. Yeah. I'm ex- I'm intrigued. Yes. Um. I also think that it kind of started this movement of like these like you know, enclaves of online cooking communities that they were connecting with other people. Like, right. oh, I made them too. Uh-huh. Or you would bring them to a party and they'd be like, oh my God, are those the cookies? <laughs> like it was this thing that everyone knew about and that they wanted to make them too. I mm. think there was also people that were like, I need to see if they're worth the hype. Why is everyone talking about these? I need to make them for myself. Sure. Or, you know, I think that they were familiar enough 
to make people realize that they could understand what they were. It wasn't like an entirely new thing. Um, and I think that when they made them and they tasted them, they're like, yeah, these are really good. Well, you know, for, for me, the revelation with the cookies, um, something I hadn't encountered before, and I'm not um, a person that spends a, a F ton of time in the kitchen. I, I enjoy my cooking time very much, but um, I'm, I'm more of a dilettante. Uh, <laughs> um, you use Zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So the, let me let me share with you the the, the revelation, the thing that I, I wasn't prepared to see in the assembling of ingredients. Um, and by the way, the YouTube of you making this the the, the cookies very very helpful. Yeah. Uh, and that's like you know the point, right? Um, the egg wash yeah. on on the outside. Yeah. That's not. Is that a traditional baking cooking kind of? Yeah, I think. So. I mean, thing? I was also a pastry chef. Yeah. Oh, okay. For many years, I see. and so that to me is like. You know, in like French bakeries, it's very common to see like the cookies with the sugar on the outside. Yes. I didn't think I was inventing something new. I was like, oh, that's just how you make a cookie in a log. Right. Like Dory Greenspan has been doing it for years. Like, you know, Pierre May, like it's like a who she learned about. Like it's like a long history of there's many cookies that are done that way. Okay. So for me, it was like a no brainer, but also I wanted it on the outside because the cookie itself isn't that sweet. Yeah, so I yeah. think when you have the sugar on the outside, it's then the perfect cookie. Yeah, that's – I mean because I'm not a sweet person. I'm a savory person. So these cookies are right yeah. in, right up my – Yeah, direct them right into your veins. Yeah, right into my belly. Yeah. Um, how about the 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 stew? So there, I know what I find is like the, the appealing thing and it's a little less specific. Um, but for you in, in the composition of it, is there like one thing that you felt like might, might have elevated it or what, why do you think it caught folks' attention? I think that even if you're a bad cook, it still tastes good. Mm -hmm. Like you can put all those ingredients together. And even if your technique is not, you know, A plus or your ingredients are subpar, it's still going to taste really great. Yes. And it's also going to probably look the same as everybody else's. Right. And there are many variations. And if you look at them all, there's like, if you look at the hashtag, the stew, it, there's, you know, if you like squint, they all kind of look like the same picture. Mm -hmm. And I can point out the differences. I can be like, well, this turmeric is less of a quality. And like they use Swiss chard and not care. Like I feel like I can know my babies and yes. like yeah, figure out what, went, what they did. Um, but by and large, the stew looks the same and tastes the same no matter what. So the greens is the thing to me that. Oh, you think it's the greens? Well, just in the sense that. Um, it's also vegan. Yeah. So the crossover between people that are trying to be healthy and the people that want to make pantry staple dishes. Yeah. So I have a child with food allergies. He's allergic to milk and eggs. I mean, to dairy and eggs. Um, so this stew is, you know, right, yeah. right, right up our alley. We yeah. don't do the, the, the yogurt, uh, yogurt right. Um, but you, there are plenty of, um, coconut, coconut yogurt. Yes, exactly. Really and he can, and he can, he can definitely consume that. Yeah. Um, but the greens were kind of the revelation in in two respects, very flexible, like what greens go in there as you sort of described, but also the eye appeal because we eat with our eyes, that thing. I, uh, duh. Well, but, I think that all, I, not to be like, all my food is beautiful, but I think that that is like, like I, like I didn't anoint that stew. I wasn't like, yeah, this yeah. is my most beautiful stew. I right. think that all of the food has a aesthetic and a look and that makes you want to eat it. Yes, yes. But, yes and and that's it. why your books are so fucking, you know, appealing. Thank you. Because it's delicious they stuff. Do but I, <laughs> but they do look good. But I, I I'm I'm observing like the greens are not intuitive to me when building a stew. Like hey, we're in the winter palette right now. Mm. And as I build stews and chilies and stuff, they all take on that um uh burnt uh Amber, what's the color from the crayon box? Whatever that deep, rich, dark like brown. Burnt, burnt sienna. To, yes, burnt sienna, and that that whole phylum of colors, right, right? right? Yeah, that that they all take on that. You don't get pops of color from. You might get like a tomato that shows up a little bit, right? Or like some spice that that's applied at the like the parsley that you might sprinkle on. That gives you a little green, but for the most part, in the same color thing. And that's why I thought the stew mm -hmm. to me that's what jumped off the page. I don't know. Yeah, Does I think yeah, sense? it is a beautiful looking dish. <laughs> Listen, I know she's got it. She's got it. Yeah. So um, I want to talk about uh, nothing fancy and this particular. Uh, kind of concept because a thing that I I didn't realize was your jam until mm -hmm. really sitting and and uh, spending some time w with you your people the book uh -huh. um, 
The herbs. Yeah. Yeah. Totally my thing. So Not exclusively my thing, but they are my thing. They are your thing. And you're bringing the herbs to the people. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think that was yeah. my, that's my, they know, cannot sort of take be on underused. It. And I think if you look at most cultures and like the way that a lot of different places in the world eat, like you sit down to food and they give you a plate with herbs on it. I had two meals on this trip alone. One was Thai and one was Lebanese, and both restaurants offered a plate of herbs with your meal. And that is like, you know, those two cuisines are very different. But in those cultures, like that's just what you do you eat your food with a plate of herbs. For those two meals, what herbs? Like what herbs are coming on a plate for the Thai meal? Um, basil, mint, cilantro, and I want to say there was some dill. And like all fresh chopped? No, like whole sprigs, just like I like to eat them. You kind of nibble on them between stuff. Oh. Yeah. I don't get out enough, clearly, No, you got to go to some I restaurants. Do you need some recommendations? <laughs> I, I can mean, give you a list. Yeah, yeah. right. I, um, I, I get good recommendations. But to me, like they are what make a make – a, food like worth eating yeah so how are we the 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 hungry homies supposed to go about <laughs> how are we supposed to get herbs in our lives like what, what's the way them, to do it my man yeah you go and buy them go and and you buy them whole don't buy them no never dried never pre-chopped well they don't sell pre-chopped herbs yeah. but you go to the store and you just buy a bunch of parsley you go to the store and you buy cilantro you go to the store and you like start with parsley and cilantro because those are very available and they're almost always the best quality because there's a high turnover. Uh-huh. Like certain stores, I'm like, I wouldn't buy that mint. It looks a little sad. Or like, you know, droopy. The herbs should look perky, inviting, alive, alert. And, and how do you uh, – how does one go about buying the right quantity? This is the well, thing. Well, they sell them in one bunch. So start with one bunch. You can't buy less than that. And people can love that, to complain about that. I'm not, I'm not here to complain. I, it looks I'm like asking you were about for, to. No, I'm asking for a strategy. Okay, so the strategy is buy the herb. Yeah. And then figure out a way to incorporate it into every meal. Even if a recipe doesn't call for finishing it with parsley, maybe, you know, coarsely chop a few leaves and sprinkle it on something. Yeah, like you when know you're what? making pasta, like use it up. Don't yeah. throw it away. Yeah, like you and, and – If and, I were Adam Rappaport, I would tell you to make a pesto, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> That's but too you much can, like real work. I know. I just want to chop and work. sprinkle. Yeah, that, you can that, do that. That I can do. Yeah. And I'm wondering like uh, if I'm going to – does how much – like planning for what the food you're going to eat over the course of the week. Do you have to have that in your head? I don't do when that. When you buy it. So I know you don't do that. No. So how do you no, – you, you just buy feel it with like your stuff. You, you also, know that it will go. Yeah. And you know what I do is I – when I make salads, even yes. if it's just like arugula with lemon, I throw all my herbs into that salad. So that's another revelation yeah. of yours. It's in nothing fancy. Yes. Was it in dining in as well? Not that salad. Okay, no. good. So I don't. I, I, I don't, I don't like you, to repeat myself. I know, but I I, I got it in wrong earlier. I got I I didn't. I got the cookies. The origin of the cookies was the book, and then the That's media. Okay. Um, this this so the the heavily herb salad. Perfect herby salad. Perfect herby salad. What are the herbs in that? They can be anything that you want them to be. Is, yes, is kind of the liberating part. But if you're like, I've got a few mint leaves left over from this dish that called for them, throw them in your salad. But to me, like the perfect herbs to add are like um, chives, parsley, and then your wild card, which is generally something punchier. Because chives taste like onion, garlic, mm-hmm. whatever. It's familiar. Parsley, it's kind of just like a verdant green, clean flavor. Yes. And then you have your herbs that contribute like an actual flavor that you can detect, like mint, tarragon, cilantro, dill. Mm, punch. Yeah. When little, I was 19, I worked at a farmer's market uh-huh. that sold – I worked for the farm that sold greens. Oh. And we sold a – like herby salad mix. Okay. So any excess herbs that they had that we didn't sell, they would toss into like mescaline mix and we would sell them by the quarter pound for $50 or something. <laughs> <laughs> something like outrageous Yes. to account for inflation. Yeah. But at that, had you been introduced to herbs in that way before that experience? Um, Probably not. I was 19, so yeah. probably not. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't yet started cooking professionally, but I did that year. So. Uh-huh. It, I, I, I'm Because I am taken. It does feel like a little bit of a revelation. Yeah. Um, even though it's 2019. I think what it is is that I really like – and this is like a more intense conversation. But I think that when you travel and mm. you eat food in other places and you pay attention to how they use ingredients, either how they cut an onion or how they use cilantro in a way that you never have before, they toast nuts or chilies or whatever. And like how they cook, there's a lot of unifying principles among mm. countries and places. And it's like the principles of good food. And I think one of the things that I latch on to is that like I like my food very herby. Yes. I like it with a ton of acid mm. and I like it really salty. 
Spicy is optional, but I tend to favor that as well. But okay. that's across the board. Right. And I just think that that makes good food mm-hmm. no matter where you are. So understanding that like, oh, the common denominator is doing all these things. I just like to kind of funnel that into a recipe that you can digest. Yes. I I, I like it very much. So um, I, I – uh, not going to hold you hostage here in Washington D.C. You, you you're entitled to go back to New York and, and resume your life yeah. uh, and not get sick. No, I'm not. Me and your dad are definitely on the no, same. You guys point. are you're, both you're not, looking out for me. Not, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, but I want to um, get a little specific, okay. if if we can, yes. about sort of winter palette and as it's sort of going to be expressed in this iconic Christmas Eve <laughs> menu <laughs> that you're working on. Yeah. And I don't, have you, have, has anybody asked you guys to like publish the menu for this thing? Um, no, because the menu changes every year. Yeah, no, no. But I'm oh. saying we would be, I think I would be interested. Like okay. the pictures will be on your, on on the gram. What, maybe, what, maybe you, they won't. Maybe, maybe this is just a sacred, safe space for my friends and I. You're allowed to have that. I'm not trying to, you know, content everything. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just not. kidding. It will definitely be on Instagram. <laughs> uh, please. Oh, I got worried. Oh. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. You want the, you want, should we do it? Yeah. Okay. Are, they, are they useful after Christmas Eve? Oh my God, yes. Because, okay. like we said, we're going to be eating. Now it won't be the feast of seven fishes, but the the individual um, recipes that go into those dishes. Yeah, they can. And some of them are just ideas; they're not even full dishes. Like Great. one of one of the fishes is caviar and potato chips. Oh, so I mean, you know what I mean. That's that's so. straight from the hand of the Lord. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and that makes an appearance every year, regardless of the rest of the theme. How expensive does the caviar have to be? Not that expensive. Actually, I feel like there's a lot of domestic companies that are getting into the caviar game and doing it in like a really sustainable, earth-conscious way about like the way that they farm the fish and and their practices. And I think that's really interesting. Let's not pimp any one uh, purveyor, um, but uh, is can people safely go onto the internet and find absolutely like domestic U.S. caviar? There's, um, I think it's mostly from the paddlefish. Okay, which I mean, I am. A person who's worked in food their whole life. Yes. I th- I'm pretty snobby about most things. But, like, given the taste test of most caviars, I'm like, it's pretty salty. Uh. Like, you know, there's – and I think that just because it's expensive doesn't mean that you're going to like it. Yeah. Like, with wine or something. Right. Like, to me, I've had very expensive, like, bougie-ass caviar. And I'm like, oh, it tastes, like, muddy and – not what I'm enjoying about caviar. Yeah. And then I taste the lowest quality one and it tastes clean and briny and what I want. So just because it's expensive doesn't mean it's the highest quality. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, what about the potato chip? Potato chip's very important. Yeah. It has to – well, my my beef with potato chips on the whole is that you buy the bag and you open it and you put it in a bowl and like it's 90% tiny potato chips now. Mm. Like I'm looking for the potato chip that packages with integrity. Is, so it's also going to be thick enough to withstand the shipping. Word. So I would fi- I say like by and large the smaller potato chip company the better the potato chip. Oh okay. So like I, very small guidance. regional brands. I actually took a picture of one the other day that's I think from Baltimore. Okay. Um, I'll show you after. Yeah. You can put it on your gram. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll, I'll pimp them. That my friend Katie had at her holiday party. That was like the perfect potato chip. It almost tasted like a Pringle. Okay. Like it had just beautiful texture. It held its shape. And the size was right. And the size was right. Because you want to be able to pick it up. Yeah. And, yeah. and you're going to get a dollop of that caviar That's on what there. That's um, Let's cover the other, you know, I'm not going to uh, make you go through every single thing, but uh, the lamb, caviar, potato chips. What yeah, else? Shrimp cocktail. Shrimp cocktail. That's Boom. three. Yeah. Um, I'm doing, I'm going to do baked clams. Ooh. Because there's only one day you're all do that. Because it's kind of annoying. This is pop, a once a year yeah, thing. You have to pop We're the clam. You have to take the shell off. You have to... Put the stuff on it. You have to bake them again. It's mm. like kind of a to-do. Yeah. But I find that baked clams in a restaurant are almost never as good as I want them to be. Yep. So I got to take matters into my own hands. Boom. Fulfill my own destiny. Yes. And make you a sick baked clam. <laughs> um, we're going to do like a anchovy pasta. Great. Maybe with some like dissolved like other like either like a mackerel or like a sardine like tin fish Ooh. with lots of garlic and breadcrumbs. Wow. Um, it feels like a one-biter. It won't be too intense. Okay. Yeah. It's got to be in- Two bites. You're going to have a whole bowl. It's delicious. I promise. No, it, I'm not it's, worried about it being delicious. I'm worried about being able to eat anything else. Oh, wow. Well, you know, it's a long meal. Okay. And it's stand up. We don't sit down. Yes. Great. Great. Uh, what else is there? I forgot. The lamb. The we lamb. The, oh, I'm yeah. making a smoked trout dip with oh. like smoked trout roe on top. Yeah. Which we can eat with the potato chips yeah, as well. Yeah, perfect. The lamb rubbed with anchovy. Yes. 
And I that's love- like a dark horse because it's really a lamb. And we're supposed to, if we were, we were like, oh, should we do a whole fish? And we're like, that's not actually what we want. We want lamb. You um, reminded me, this is another aspect, nothing fancy. The anchovy is- It makes quite a few appearances. Is, makes, is a friend yeah. of the program. Yeah. And right? that's the beauty of working for yourself is like if I were like spending time working in magazines- you know, you're constantly getting edited. It's yes. like, oh, we already have anchovy in one place and we got to do it. It's like, you know what? My house, my rules. And if I want anchovy and get every goddamn recipe in this book, it gets to be. Well, because It's not, but it, it yeah. does make quite a few appearances. Like, it's not a, a revelation, the umami of anchovy paste. And like people don't know they're eating anchovy. No, I don't eat anchovy paste. I only cook with the whole fillets. I, 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 you're, you're a professional chef, of course. <laughs> I'm just talking about – the quality about, is better. The quality the, is better. Of higher. course. The, all the, the taste buds out there. I mean I, I don't know if I'm going to – I'd be worried about messing up a perfect fillet. No, they dissolve in oil. That's the point. Anyway. Right into a nice beef stew. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to sound like that. I hope that it doesn't. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it does heighten. It is a flavor enhancer. Yeah. It does take it up in a different direction and yeah. di- with a different – uh, flavor profile. I know. It's a it, boomer. It, you, you do know this. It, and it's great. And I think that people are starting to trust me. Mm. And so even if they say, I don't like anchovies, but I trust you, to me, that's a win. And yes. sometimes people will try it and be like, you know what? It's still not for me. Uh-huh. Great. I've been trying to get my friend Michael to eat olives for our entire friendship. What? And he doesn't like olives them. Olives are fucking awesome. I know. He, and, I'm, and I'm like, well, what about this olive? He's like, Allison, if you try to get me to eat another goddamn olive, I swear <laughs> to God. Like, is it the texture, the mouthfeel, the smell, Honestly, the look? It's whatever. Honestly, I stopped trying to okay. crack the okay. fucking puzzle. It's yeah. not – it's – I accept. I accept it. <laughs> that's it. I give up. Right. But I think that that's another thing about writing cookbooks and like leading to, you know, a rise in popularity or why the second book I think did so well or is doing so well is because people start to trust. Yeah. And it's like if you cook a recipe from somebody and it doesn't work out or you don't like the way it tastes or it doesn't look like the photo or it was complicated or you felt like it wasn't worth it – you're probably not going to come back to that person again. This is so I, I've got a lot of repeat customers. Yeah, and I'm and I think that instead of trying to convince them to do something, they're like, you know what? I'll do whatever you say because you have not yet steered me wrong. That's right. Well, I have you a good know track what? Record. You're not going to steer them wrong with this beautiful array from from <laughs> Christmas Eve. There are going to be pictures. There's going to be recipes. Yeah, all the culinary comrades out there will get to take it on. Don't feel like pressure that you have to cook it. During the I like holidays, how you just like assigned be... me a story and I accepted on this podcast. So now I can't get out of it. And I'm going to be like, wait, did I just agree to create content for you? But that's for me. It's for you. I'm going to go find it. Everybody's going to go to your Instagram. Well, I'm not that's publishing where the recipes on my Instagram. Well, wherever you people go to find it, you're, you're, you're a writer. I don't you have a write. blog. You, you, you write for the New York Times tw- yeah, twice Yeah, they're not going to be like special edition post-Christmas Christmas story by Alison Roman. Um, that's a brilliant idea and they should. So <laughs> okay, that, that, well, maybe that's, next year. That's my I'm going to push for next year. Okay, let's... Let's talk about next year. I'm going to let you go. I promise. Uh, but this is it. 2020. What big things does Allison Roman have cooking? Um, I Most of the things that I have cooking, I can't talk about yet. But oh, okay. I, but there's a lot. I have a yeah, lot of things okay. going on. Are we going to see you on the TV? It's possible. Hey now. But maybe not. Maybe I just. All right. Do your I'll thing. I'll be on the Today Show at yeah, least. Yeah, well, so if I thing. say yes, I won't be lying entirely. But right. yeah, that's, that's sort of the Nice. Like, the goal, the trajectory, I yes. think. Um, I have a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of – I'm really excited about yeah. doing stuff that isn't just a cookbook. Yeah. Um, but I am also looking forward to like in the grand scheme of my life of always writing books because yeah. I think that cookbooks are one of the last like great pure art forms of food because everybody is just ripping each other off constantly. Right. And kind of putting out content and – not giving it much thought, but to make a book and to invest in it that way takes so much time and at least for me, like creative energy and I'm very thoughtful about it that yeah. it feels like a unique specimen and I enjoy that. And we, the consuming public, appreciate that. It comes through in in the book, in both Dining In and Nothing Fancy and being able to physically hold the thing that you made that investment yeah. in and have it available whenever, you know, the the um, inspiration strikes, that's a meaningful thing. Yeah. So we're on the same page with this. So thank thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast. <laughs> I, 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 thank I, you for having me. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see uh, just exactly how big that middle of that Venn diagram is. Well, don't be disappointed if it's small. No, I'm expecting it to be small. <laughs> okay, good. Like I'm just, I'm, to me, this is like, 
the thing that I wish I did more of rather than like speaking to people that are already sick of hearing me talk. Well, we can do this. This is like a whole new audience that's getting ready to get sick of hearing me talk. Nah, well, yeah, you're coming on with as much as, as you'll say yes to when I invite you. So yeah. that, that, that's awesome. Right. Awesome, Roman. Thank you for coming on. Today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, my culinary comrades, my enormous thanks to Allison Roman. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. She was very gracious to give us some time right at the end of her worldwide food tour. We will all be looking forward to checking on her Instagram. What comes out of this unbelievable Christmas Eve dinner that's going on? Her Instagram is is an incredible follow unto itself anyway. 315,000 people uh, ain't wrong. Check our Instagram out at the House of Carbs. We will be posting some of the things that we find interesting about her menu. We might even try a recipe or two of our own. Until next week, my hungry homies, we shall be back. Another beautiful edition of House of Carbs. I think we're going to talk to a, a local homie here in the D.C. scene. But until then, let's stay hungry out there.